ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting edition of Monday Motivation. Hi everyone, this is Rabbi Garfinkel of Project 613 in Chicago with a live studio audience. Unbelievable. The crowds are going wild here at Money Motivation Headquarters. Okay, we are super excited for a very powerful message. Yes, and it's a little bit, what a title tonight. With all your might, a life-changing button story. Yes, for those of you who see the graphics, you see there's buttons all over there. It is going to be a crazy, crazy story about buttons, something seemingly trivial, but something very powerful. We are going to get to that a little bit later. First of all, Project 613's Downtown Barbecue is starting to explode. Thank God we are, you know, young professionals and community members never sign up for anything a week before, but we're already well on our way to our goal, God willing, of 150 people. It will be amazing. Lots and lots of people already coming. And those of you who would like to join us for an incredible event and a very exclusive venue in downtown Chicago. Oh my gosh, Monday, August 22nd, a week from today. Will I be recording a Monday Motivation next week? Yes, God willing, but boy, oh boy, it's going to be busy. And for especially those of you know, young professionals who are in Chicago, land, anywhere, get them to downtown Chicago. As a policy, we do not reveal the location of our venues until people register. It's a crazy world out there, folks anti-Semitism, you can't put venues online. We're a chosen people. They want us. Okay, so we have to be safe, and it also builds excitement for the people. But once you register, you get the venue, a beautiful, exclusive patio overlooking, looking out upon downtown Chicago. All right, end of commercial, and here we go. So tonight, we're going to talk about the Shema. Yes, if there is a prayer that I think that everyone knows out there who's listening to this podcast, and it is the Shema, which was this last week's Torah portion. Now, what do we say? The Shema goes, you all know it well, ladies and gentlemen, the oldie but goodie, right? Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. Now, how do we translate this? It just dawned on me a crazy kind of funny thing over there. It all it always says, Hear, O Israel. In the art scroll, which is the standard Orthodox text, Stone Chumash, in the art scroll, Sidur prayer book, it says, Hear, O Israel. And I believe in every other type of prayer book, it says, Hear, O Israel. I, I got news for you. I, I learned Hebrew pretty well, I have to say both ancient and modern, right? Yeshiva uh, Hebrew and modern Hebrew. Never in the world did we become Irish. Oi, hear, oh, Israel. I, that's more pirate. I don't know how you do the Irish voice. Uh, hear, oh, Israel. I don't, where does the O come from? Can someone tell me out there, why do we say hear, oh, Israel? Is that for emphasis on that syllable? I don't understand. It just dawned on me. Why don't we just say, translate it straight. Shema Yisrael. Hear Israel. Why is it always, oh, who turned us into Irish? Hear, oh, Israel. Okay, you may not find that funny. I thought that was hysterical. Why? 
how that developed. Okay, so that is your homework out there tonight, today. Tell me, why do the English translations put here, O Israel? Is it just for emphasis? Is there something else? I'm looking forward to your feedback. By the way, I've been getting great feedback. I would like to hear yours as well. Please email me, rabbi shalom g at gmail.com or 310-903-7398. They say not to put your number out there, but okay, we're among holy people here. Here we go. So now, we talk about the Shema. Fantastic. So Shema Yisrael, Hashem, Elokein, Hashem, Echad. Here, O Israel, Hashem is our God. Hashem is one. All right, we're not going to actually talk about that um, tonight. We are going to talk about that next verse of the Via Hafta. This is oh, all the Bar Mitzvah boys and girls, Bar Bat Mitzvah boys and girls. Yes, we're doing a re <coughs> a recalling of the pain. No, just God forbid. Uh, we are recalling all that you've learned, and it's seared into the consciousness of uh, of your consciousness, even to when you're old. It says Via Hafta, Ace. Hashem Elokecha, you shall love the Lord your God, with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. So what does that mean? So Rashi says, and, and it's always good to, to learn Rashi. He is the, I, I'm sort of being facetious, you have to learn Rashi if you want to understand what the Torah says. Which means all your heart. Now, Levavcha is written in a double vase form two vases it should be bechol libcha why it's a hint says rashi to you should serve your serve god with all your heart with both of your hearts meaning you have two inclinations you have the beautiful little angel on your right shoulder and a little devil with a pitchfork we don't believe in that but that type of imagery on your left shoulder and you should serve god with both of those inclinations when you have lower drives you should sublimate them towards the service of the almighty Okay, and we, we believe that. We believe that we do not quash our lower selves. We co-opt it and sublimate it into and channel its energy into service of God. Someone who really wants a lot of, let's say his ego is really an issue for him. It's ego. So it, he can motivate himself. But yeah, I should learn this piece of Torah because I'll be the best guy in yeshiva. Then, hey, do it. Go for it. Sounds great. I, is that the highest level of serving God? No, but it's a stepping stone. It's a fake it till you make it moment. By the way, the AA people thought that fake it till you make it is their idea. No, it is a very Jewish idea. You do the right thing even with the wrong intention because eventually if you do it that way, eventually you will come to do the right thing for the right intention. All right, so that's the first. It's very straightforward. It's where we as Jews are should be prepared to give our lives up for our Jewish belief and our Jewish religion and for our Torah and for our God. And unfortunately, unfortunately, thousands, millions of times, we as the Jewish people have had to do that over the millennia and we've been all too prepared to do that okay and now and with all your might all right now um th this sounds you know if you don't learn the commentators then the torah just sounds like one big hallmark greeting card oh with all your heart with all your soul with all your might that's great there's great fluffy ideas but what does it actually mean to do how do we fulfill it judaism is very brass tacks very practical very bottom line um, 
implement these things. It's not just an idea over here. We have to implement these ideas in our lives. So the first two I took care of. But what does uvechol me'odach with all your ma'od? Ma'od means very much. With all of, if I translated this verse uh, literally, it would be, and serve God with all of your very muchness. So what is your very muchness? So Rashi brings two commentaries, two comments. Uh, um, one is that, and the first one, and this is what we are going to focus on, is what is your ma'od? What is your very muchness? Rashi says something, ready for the, the mic drop? Bechol mamoncha. With all of your money. You have to serve God with all of your money. The other, just for the for the record, the other commentary, uh, comment that Rashi makes is that you need to serve God. Bechol mida umida. It's a plan words of me'odecha. With every every character, every, excuse me, every thing that God gives you. If we perceive something as sweet or something as difficult, life throws us a curveball, fastballs, uh, throws us times where we're doing better or worse in our health and our money and our relationships. Whatever God is sending us, if he's sending us honey, if he's sending us thorns and thistles, we have to accept that as the right and proper thing, that that is what we need at the time. Now, that's a longer discussion. We've talked about that before, but we're going to leave that on the side. We're going to focus on the first one. God says, serve me with your money. What does that mean? Serve me with your money? How do you serve God with your money? Does it mean give 100% of your money to tzedakah? No, it absolutely does not. Well, on the very first level, it does mean <clears throat> that there are laws of tzedakah, of who we, to whom we give and how we give. Um, there is a, uh, a law in the temple times of miser, of, of tithing that was very, uh, very well defined in terms of our crops, it was an agrarian society, etc. And today, there is a very strong concept of Meiser Ksafim, of giving uh, 10% of your post-tax income, not your gross, your net, uh, to Tzedakah. And I hope we're going to come back to that later. And this is a challenge. How much do we work? What is the role of our work and money and how much effort do we put into it? Do we live to work or do we work to live? When is enough? When is enough? When can we say, you know what? It's not, uh, it's not worth working all that just to have no life. And when is it? No, God gave me certain talents and abilities and I want to bring them to the fore. And if I can do good things with my money, then Okay, these are all very sensitive questions. And now I want to frame the rest of the podcast with the button story. Yes. Drum roll, please. Yes, that is exactly what you've been waiting for. What is this crazy button story? So here's the story. The story goes like this. There was a great rabbi who sadly was killed, murdered by the Nazis. And his name was Rav Alchanan Vasserman Hashem Yinkom Damo, which normally we would say when someone dies, Zatzal Zecher Tzadik Livracha, may his memory be a blessing or her memory be a blessing. But when someone is murdered in the name because they're Jewish, we say Hashem Yinkom Damo, that Hashem may, may God revenge their blood. And therefore we say about him, may all the enemies who took him, may their memory be erased. 
um, because he was a very, very holy, special man, as you will see. So, uh, Rev. Ochan of Wasserman was the Rosh Yeshiva, the head of the Yeshiva of Baranovich. Now, he joked that that uh, there's a Talmudic statement that says there are 10 portions of different entities that come to the world, and nine go to one place and one go to the rest of the world. So, for example, there are 10 portions of beauty that went to the world, says the Talmud. Nine portions were taken by Jerusalem, and the the other one was taken to the rest of the world. So he joked on that statement, that there are ten portions of poverty, and Baranovich, his town, took nine portions of poverty, and the rest of the world took one portion of the poverty. So it was a very, very poor town, and yet, through all that difficulty, he ended up being able to create a yeshiva, and not just any yeshiva, one of the greatest yeshivas in in Europe. And he would go to, obviously, fundraising missions to America. This was not just get on a jet and be there, you know, 10 hours later. This is get on an ocean liner and come to America. It was a long, arduous, month-long, sometime months-long journey. And he comes to New York, and certain trips... You know, I do a little fundraising. Sometimes it just flows and everything is great. And other times it does not. And this was one of those trips where it just did not flow. It, things were just not flowing. And therefore, he, he, he just didn't know what to do. So finally came up with a, with a, a name. Uh, someone suggested that, that uh, he heard about this guy. And we'll call him Mr. Schneider. The book where I read this is Genendel Crohn's a uh, wonderful storybook, and I apologize, the title of the book escapes me. Hope to fix that later. But anyway, Genendel Crohn, a great, great uh, author of story stories, a collector of stories. Um, and so what happened was that they got the name Mr. Schneider, and he went to visit him. And the guy by the person who was with Rabbi Wasserman said, no, don't bother, don't bother, don't go. It's not going to help. This guy never gives to anything Jewish, never gives to any yeshivas. Forget it. And Rav Wasser said, no, no, no. And it turns out that Rav Wasser recognized his name and he realized that he went to Cheder. He went to like kindergarten back in Baranovich with this head of this major textile clothing factory. He said, I got to go see him. So he goes in and they ask the secretary, uh, to, to see him. He says, no. The secretary says, no, I'm sorry. He says, tell him it's Elchanan from Baranovich coming to visit him. At that moment, Mr. Schneider's door opens up. He can't believe it. The Rosh Yeshiva himself of the Yeshiva Baranovich is coming to visit him. He runs down the steps. He greets him up and he comes in and they start talking and Rav Elchanan asks him, what is going on? You know, how are you? What's going on? And, and then Mr. Schneider admits, he says, you know what? I was very religious back in Europe, but America's a new country. It's a new world. It's a new life. I've left that old religious world in the past. I'm not keeping kosher anymore, not keeping Shabbos anymore, but, but, but I have my purpose. My purpose is my textile factory and all the clothing I'm creating. And I'm, I'm really making something of myself and providing for my family in an extravagant way. And that's my story. And, and Mr. Schneider turns to Rabbi Wasserman and he says, so what are you doing here? What did you make this long journey for? And Rabbi Hanan Wasserman said, well, to tell you the truth, do you see my coat over here? 
I, I, I just, I'm missing a button and I can't find the right button. And I knew that you had this clothing company, textile industry over here. So I, I came all the way from Europe so that you would be able to change my button. Now, are you scratching your head like I'm scratching my head? And like Mr. Schneider was scratching, and Mr. Schneider's like, what are you talking about? You cannot, this cannot be serious. You came all the way from Europe to change a button that is absolutely silly and ridiculous. There's no way that you did that. And Mr. Schneider says, no, 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 come on, tell me where it is. And, and Rabbi Wasserman said, no, no, I'm serious. That's I came to change the button. And they're back and forth and this and the other. And, and Mr. Schneider said, no, I don't believe it. And finally, Rabbi Chana Wasserman was a very tall man, got up. He stood up and he said, that is why I came from Europe to for you to change his button. And if you're not going to change it, I'm going to find someone else who can. Mr. Schneider said, okay, fine. Takes the coat to the factory right down below where the, from where his office was. He says, change not only that, add a button, but change them all, make it look like new. And he got his coat changed. All brand new buttons. And Rabbi Wasserman headed down the steps to leave. And Mr. Schneider was so curious. He could not imagine what was going on. He, he shouted down the steps, Rabbi Wasserman, Rabbi Wasserman, please, please come back. Please come back and tell me, why did you come? And Rav Wasserman turned around and he came back up and they walked back into his office and they said, Mr. Schneider, I came to raise money for my yeshiva. That's why I came from Europe. But just as I would not come, obviously, from Europe, to America to change a button. Do you know that your soul came from a much farther place than Europe? Your soul came from underneath God's throne of glory. That's where every soul comes from. And God sends that soul down to earth to have a journey in this world. And it's much further from Europe. And if I didn't come from Europe for a button, then your soul did not come from heaven to this world just for a button. You did not make that long journey just to have a company that makes buttons and textiles and clothing. Your life and your purpose is much more important than that. And in reality, what Rav Ochana Wasim was telling him is that the soul's journey on this world is so much more important than anything else. How can we focus exclusively on the buttons? And at that moment, Rav Ochanan Wasserman's words pierced Mr. Schneider and he began to cry and he said, yes, I've lost my way. I know life is not all about the buttons. It's not all about making money. It's what I can do with the money. It's how I can help. And he himself turned around. He started keeping Shabbos. He started keeping kosher again. And he became the largest donor to the Baranovich Yeshiva. Because at that point he realized the buttons are not an end. The buttons are a means to an end. That is what it means to serve Hashem with all of your might, with all of your money. It doesn't mean that we live in a cave. We are not a caveman religion. We want to be working. We want to be making money, but we want to be working with the right priorities. Now, there's so many stories I have to tell you, and we don't have time for all of them. I want to tell you one story, another example of serving God with all of your money. It was a very 
famous uh, philanthropist I happen to know from Los Angeles, a tremendous man, and he told me he's helping with a student center to Israel and pay for the scholarship money, and he said, Reb Shalom, let me tell you, in my prime, I was making so much money doing what I was doing, I decided I had enough. And he said, from that moment on, whatever I made every year, 100% of it would go to tzedakah. Now, by the way, just so you know, it's actually uh, forbidden to do what he does unless he he asked a, a competent Orthodox rabbi. Because really, you're only supposed to give 10% to maximum 20% of your post-tax income. He obviously spoke to a rabbi about it. He said, I have enough in savings and futures and whatever. And so whatever he makes, gives to Zaka. So for years, he said, Rishon, without much effort, I was making three, four million dollars a year and giving all that to Zedaka. He says, it pains me. He says, I'm getting older now. He says, I don't work as hard. I just don't have the energy I, I used to. He says, he says, again, I don't take a cent of what I earn. I only can give away three to four hundred thousand dollars a year. It pains me. Okay, that's just one example of that. Now, that's crazy because that's much more than uh, what is expected. I'll leave you with... Uh, a very practical challenge. The Talmud says that you can't test God. You can never test God and say, God, if you don't want me to eat kosher, then you better send a lightning bolt out before I eat this cheeseburger. You cannot do that. You cannot test God. But there's one area you can test God, and that's with giving what's called miser, a tithing. And God says, go ahead, slam it down. If you're going to give, throw it down. If you're going to give 10% of your money, go ahead, test me. Test me if you're going to lose a cent. Just the opposite. And I, I give everyone a challenge that they should call up their ADP, call up their employer if you own your own company, and set up a separate account that every time the payroll runs, you set, put aside 10% of your post-tax income into a Meister account, into a tithing account, and that goes to Jewish charities. Now, you want to give to the non-Jewish opera? Okay, that does not count. It's 10, this 10% has got to be to Jewish charities. That's what it's all about. If you And what does that do? That guarantees, that locks in, that says, Hashem, whatever you flow through my pipeline that is what's 10% of that is going to go to charity. So Hashem, you want more to go to charity? Float me more. Float me more. Oh, you're going to give me less Hashem? Okay, that less is going to go to charity. That's the only area that we're allowed to test Hashem. If we could do that, I tell this to my young professionals, you want to guarantee your wealth? You want to guarantee your wealth? Okay, MBA, all this stuff. Okay, maybe, maybe an MBA will help or not. But you know what's going to guarantee your wealth? And this, this is the only way the only way that Hashem guarantees your wealth, separate a separate tithing miser account. Tell me what happens. Let me know. Go for it. Believe it or not, the rabbi did it a little less than a year ago. It's incredible. It's incredible to see the miracles that have happened. I wish everyone an unbelievable day and week. And remember, it's not about the buttons. It's not about the buttons. The buttons are a means to the end. Your soul came so far to do such great things in this world. And it could be that making money is a key component of it. But that's not the end. It's a means to a larger end of helping God's people and making this world a greater and better place. God bless. Have a great week. And we'll see you right back here next week on Monday Motivation. God bless.